Welcome to This Week in Craft Beer, the podcast, the weekly show where we interview the people making the magic happen in the UK craft beer scene, sponsored by Them That Can, the premier mobile canning service in the UK. This Week in Craft Beer publishes the UK's leading craft beer newsletter every Monday morning by email. To subscribe for free, please visit www.thisweekincraft.beer. This Week in Craft Beer would like to thank our generous Patreon supporters John Stevens, Angela Peterson, Nick Flynn, Jamie Ramsey, Sue Johnson, Steve Hartley, Jazz Hundell, Phantom Brewing Company, Dolphin Brewery, Becky Bentley White, Alex Possels, Ryan Charlton, The Paper Mill Micropub, Doug Thayer, Sarah Allmark, and The Sociable Beer Company. I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast this evening Chris Holyfield from Wild Horse Brewery based in Llandidno, North Wales. Wild Horse was launched in 2015 by Dave and Emma Farragher after being inspired by the US craft beer revolution. They set out to make great craft beer for North Wales. Chris, please introduce yourself and tell us about your beer journey, which led you to becoming part of Wild Horse. Yeah, so my name is Chris Holyfield. I'm the head of sales at Wild Horse Brewing Company in Llandidno, as you rightly said. In terms of my beer journey... Having listened to a couple of your podcasts, we're going to repeat some themes, I think, because a lot of people my age, I'm 36, got into craft beer in a a similar way. So I'm from Bangor in North Wales, not really ever really been a hotbed for brewing or beer, certainly not in recent times. So certainly lager, macro lager. I'm sorry to say it was Foster's that was kind of the the beer of choice initially. It was the cheapest (laughs) beer and it was lager and it was wet. But then, yeah, from then on, it went from that to supermarket ales, to Belgian beer, right. you do Vels, uh, I know Ho Garden's not Belgian, but those styles of beers, those marketed as, as the early craft beers. Sure. Then into, into Cascale, so mm-hmm. where Cascale would be strong for people who kind of down in London in the north, so they might have gone into that early. I didn't go into that that early. It was probably 25, 26, 27 before I really right. got into Cask. Yeah. And then through into, in, into what we now know as craft beer. So obviously that exploded going back on a post-2010. Yep. So yeah, going into that, I mean, there's a number of beers that you can reference. Obviously, I've referenced Duvel, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, probably the one that everybody talks about. I was fortunate enough in 2010 to go to California, but didn't really know much about beer, really, in terms right. of knew I liked beer and knew what beer I liked, but never really gave me that much thought and never dug into it. So myself and my, my now wife, went over and we landed in San Francisco and asked the barman, what's good, what's local? Mm-hmm. And got handed a pint bank of steam. Nice. And was like, <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and and kind of proceeded to try lots of different beers in, in all the ta- kind of, we, we did a little road trip down to LA right. uh, and then ended up in San Diego. So if I'm honest, I can't remember a lot of the beers that I had. No. But I know that I had lots of good local beers, as, as has been spoken about a lot kind of the, the craft beer scene in, in North America is so was so far before our sort of our head of where we were at that yes. time. So, so at that time you would have been drinking quite a lot of whip beers, I guess, certainly some brown ales, uh, no doubt some West Coast IPAs as well, but quite a broad range of beer styles, I'm guessing, at that stage. It wouldn't have been 90% IPAs as it can tend to be today. Yeah, ex- exactly. That's the thing, that the, the speed that IPAs kind of taken over, uh, the craft beer scene is unreal. But, uh, but yeah, like we went to a tap room in a, a little college town called San Luis Obispo. I can't mm-hmm. remember the brewery. I don't remember what beers I had, but I know that all the beers were kind of the Belgian ale, the Golden ale. There was right. there was an IPA, but mm-hmm. there was one IPA rather than walking into a tap room <laughs> and seeing 25 IPAs in a quarter, um, which is not always a problem, but certainly the diversity of the, the beer scene was more, I suppose, I suppose the, the influences that scene yep. were, were a lot more European at the time 
Yes. Some places haven't found their own kind of American identity in terms of what they produced. Yeah. Some of them obviously did that earlier with Sierra Nevada, but but yeah, it was so cool. Like it opened my eyes and kind of coming back to the UK, started to see more and more breweries and kind of delved into that a bit more. Where I live, I'm less than two hours from Manchester. Right. It's where I went to university. I can't say that I did an awful lot of beer exploration that was too exciting in my, in my uni years, but having returned there multiple times, it's such yep. a great city. Oh, it's fantastic, um, yeah. Oh, it's unreal. Like, And this it's not just the beer. The beer is a reason alone to go to Manchester. But yeah, it's just the vibe of the city. It's just the people there. It's just a wicked place to be. It has such an, a great feeling. But going there and then stumbling across places like Beer Moth in the middle yep. of town, hmm. it's just a awesome place and kind of super classy place Beermoth yeah yeah and listening to your podcast with Rington they mentioned uh, Tickety Brew and I remember right. coming across them and Quantum Brewing I think that's Jay um, Cloudwater's old brewery right those kinds of things and just really getting excited seeing the kernel for the first time mm-hmm. and, and being like what are these boring bottles? But they're not boring. They're great. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but but that's what draws you into them. It's these guys have put no effort into it. So. I can't, it's, it's funny, I think back about, you You obviously asked me about the journey to craft beer, and I can't mm-hmm. kind of pinpoint actual years of when I tried certain beers, but certainly certain beers stick out, certain breweries stick out. And then in terms of, from a professional sense, back in 2013, no, 2014, right? I was working for the civil service, I'd worked for the civil service for five or six years, it wasn't that exciting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did a couple of jobs to work for Paid the department. bills, paid your bar tab. <laughs> Yeah, well, it absolutely did. And it was the kind of job that you could park at the door, but it wasn't Mm -hmm. certainly that inspiring. But yeah, I worked for the Department of Work and Pensions and then the Welsh Government. So yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. But yeah, so I was looking into how could I get into beer, bought John Palmer how to brew, and it confused me to a point that I realised that I was never going to be a brewer. I remember looking, reading it in my break at work and just going, this is too hard. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Like, how am I supposed to do all this? How am yep. I supposed to know all of this? And obviously, beer isn't hard. It's not hard to brew a beer. No, it's, 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 it's hard to do it well. Oh, unreal. <laughs> I, see, I see it at work. I see the guys at work. Chris, our lead brewer, talking about recipes and how he's going to tweak the next batch of books on a coater. And I think, I don't understand how you're doing this. I'm glad I've got the job that I've got. I get to talk about beer, drink beer, sell beer, pictures of beer. Yep. And I'm so happy about that. So, but I, uh, a job came up at a, a local brewery called Conway Brewery, and mm-hmm. they're based near Common Bay. Right. So they're a cask-focused brewery. They've been going since I think, 2005. Mm-hmm. So quite old for a North Wales brewery. Right. Very well known. Kind of, they are in the supermarkets. They're kind of in Weatherspoons, but they're in lots of good local pubs. Right. They produce good traditional beer, really great bitter called Welsh Pride. Mm-hmm. They also do a few American style kind of West Coasty type beers, IPAs, pale ales. Yeah. So I got a job with them doing some kind of marketing and a bit of office work, a bit of general dogs buddying. Yeah. And Wild Horse had basically started at the same time. They'd started in 2015, around about the time I started at Conway. Right. And within two years, Wild Horse required somebody to do sales for them rather than Dave or Chris trying to do sales whilst sure. also doing wearing about 12 different hats <laughs> yeah probably more <laughs> brewers will tell you there's more um but yeah so a job came up and uh i'd tried their beer thought it was awesome at the time was what modern craft beer in the uk was it was west coast pale ales like hoppy wheat beers yep one of their core beers was an american blonde so it was a bit lagery but it was okay. definitely an american style beer 
and yeah, it was an exciting opportunity. So I went for the job and got it. And as they say, the rest is history. So four Fantastic. years later. So you've been for, for, into your fifth year now, but getting on that way uh, with Wild Horse, yeah. So yeah, been there about four and a half years now. Mm. So uh, yeah, it's awesome. And so much has changed in the, in the industry. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, even pre-COVID, things were changing at a, a phenomenal pace, weren't they? And, and that's only just accelerated hasn't it in the last 18 months as everybody's had to reimagine their businesses and their business plans um, that, that does actually lead me quite nicely into i was reading your blog this afternoon which is very helpful because it's much easier to research a business when there's a nicely populated blog with some decent articles on it most breweries don't have that so thanks for that but um, one thing i read there was that you guys seem to have really prospered over the last 18 months um obviously through very difficult times i'm sure as well for everybody but you're coming out of it really strong from what i could get a you know sense of uh, looking at your blog so yeah talk us through that experience chris just in the, the past 18 months what have you guys done to get closer to your local community which is one of the comment that i picked out specifically from that blog entry as, as being something of note yeah so i mean to start with overnight 80 to 90 percent of our business disappeared as it did for an mm. awful lot of breweries it hit us particularly hard because we were so draft focused so direct delivery draft into north wales pubs was our bread and butter that right. was what we did we didn't have a huge online shop presence we didn't send that much into wholesale we did some small pack into into local shops and into right. some into some restaurants and cafes and places like that but it was really draft core beer into pubs so you were left with a cold store full of kegs with nowhere for it to go so so yeah dave spent an awful lot of time so dave obviously the the owner of the brewery yep. he furloughed pretty much everybody initially and then set about the task of mini kegging everything he could get his hands on wow um manually pretty much mini kegging and, and kind of making a jig to convert keg into mini keg and unbelievably i think we poured one keg of beer away oh because, fantastic yeah uh, yeah and that leads me into the what really made it work was not just dave's hard work but the support from the local community right. was incredible. It was incredibly humbling as well because we set on quite a big campaign on social media. We pivoted in terms of, right, okay, we're not going to be delivering kegs in our vans to pubs. Yeah. What a van, we've got a driver. Let's just do home deliveries. Yeah. <laughs> and we got to the point where we we're having to cap the home deliveries on certain days. We just didn't have time to make up the deliveries and get them to people's houses, wow. which is bonkers. I mean, some of the stuff that I've talked about in the last 18 months about the brewery sounds like a brag, but we're just so proud that that's happened. And right. we couldn't have done it without people really focusing on local products. No, There's absolutely no doubt that I've seen that trend happening across the country. It certainly Definitely. happened yep. yeah, firsthand in North Wales. And it was awesome, like, People in North Wales are incredibly proud people. They love their locality. And mm. when you've got companies asking for help, they were so willing to help. And Brilliant. it was yeah, it was it was it was amazing. <laughs> and we found that not all of the customers that we book on, I suppose, in that time have stayed with us. I mean, I, we probably couldn't keep up with that to be honest. No. Because the range that we deliver to with our trade is, is a vast range. We've it's quite a sparsely populated region, North Wales. So right. Not, we're not Greater Manchester with three and a half billion people. We are North Wales with 600,000, I think. Yeah. And we can't cover all of that with one van. So we cover a lot of it. So the furthest part of our range, I mean, we, we, you're driving nonstop for over an hour to get to the ranges that we deal with in all directions. Wow, right. yeah. So I, I did the deliveries today because our driver's on, on leave. And yeah, it was 
four and a half, five hours worth of driving alone, yeah. which was amazing because it's a beautiful day and it's a beautiful, yeah. like, we, like we delivered to some of the most beautiful parts of the world, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I can't complain about that, but it's no. a challenge. It's certainly if you're offering home delivery to all the places you deliver trade to. <laughs> Definitely. And it's yeah. all very well going along the, what's the motorway that goes along the North Coast, which the is, a decent, is a decent road, isn't it? But once you start turning into the Snowdonia region and, you know, onto the single track roads, you're, uh, <laughs> you've got your work there awful lot of roads and villages i didn't know existed and i'm from north wales so, <laughs> i tell you what the worst part is anglesey anglesey is just littered with tiny little lanes it's it? beautiful it's, you find yourself somewhere and you're like genuinely if you plonked me here now i wouldn't know where i was you know, i couldn't find my way back <laughs> i'd be happy enough because it's beautiful but yeah so so that's that's how we initially pivoted right. um oh, that's a horrible word i'm sorry um, well, no, it's, it's, it's explains exactly what you it. did, though. Did you have a canyon yeah. line going into lockdown? So we didn't, no. So no. We, your kind sponsors, them that can, were the guys that, who were keeping us going. They Brilliant. were awesome. Yeah. But the amount of stuff that we ended up having to can, so that was the next stage after mini-kegging everything that was in keg, we needed cans. So we had some beer in tank, so that got canned. And then it took us a few months to get into actually brewing again because we couldn't commit to brewing. No. And all the associate tasks, like all the... Any brewers that are listening will know how much it's not. It's not just simply shoving a load of malt in a in a mash tun and adding some hot water and, and letting it go. It's, it's it's all the associated tasks. So it's a big it's a big deal. You need people. You can't yes. run it. You can't deliver to all of North Wales and no. brew and, loads and of brew. No. And and that's the thing. At some point we couldn't really commit to spending that money. Essentially spending that money and time brewing beer that we didn't know had a home. So, no. but eventually we got to the point where we could brew. Things did open up for a couple of months. We couldn't keep up because we started brewing too late because we just didn't know when things were going to happen. Kind of announcements came very short notice. Yeah, but again, yeah, I mean, people came to North Wales in their droves. They couldn't go anywhere else. And- I bet it's been an extraordinary holiday season for you because everybody suddenly thought, right, let's give up. We're not going to get. Doesn't matter what we're promised. We're never actually going to be able to go on holiday abroad again. At least it doesn't seem like it. So let's make the best yeah. of it. And uh, yeah. yeah, it was it obviously brought challenges, but it was great because mm-hmm. we needed that boost and we could oh, bring yeah. everybody back. And since then pretty much we've had everybody back so yeah and then things closed over christmas but we we'd bought a canning line so we bought a small canning line that's been great i mean them that kind of awesome and they can and be much faster than we can on our little line <laughs> but ultimately in the long run if you're doing lots and lots of cans it's financially you've got to then look at getting your own line so we've got our own yeah. line it's only a little one but yeah i think we've clocked up kind of six figures worth of cans on that line already wow yeah, like, it's just but it's honestly we almost can't fathom how well things have gone not all the time but certainly like you mentioned we connected with our local community in a way that we've never done partly through people already knew who we were partly through people because people were looking for local options and we offered that we offered a right and no contact delivery service yeah you met them all. halfway didn't you basically they were looking for that local supplier and you were suddenly yeah. saying right here's your local beer tell us what you need and it will be there that's brilliant yeah, yeah and without blowing smoke up our own backside we were at that point five years old so mm-hmm. we felt that we had got to the point where our beer was relatively refined i mean we know there's always work to do on the beers but we were kicking out consistent products that people were trying and going yeah that's great like yep. Got to drink another one of those. So they reordered, and it was fantastic. We had, and we've kept some of those customers as well. Yes, um, well, as you say, you're not probably going to keep them all, but I'm sure you'll keep a percentage of them, and that gives you a great base then to continue to expand them, doesn't it? Massively, yeah. It's mm. yeah, and that's it. So we're in a position now where 
we are in a better position than when we first went into lockdown. It, what it actually helped us do was reset. It helped Chris and Dave in terms of the creative side reset what we really wanted to do in mm-hmm. terms of what are we aiming to achieve. Yeah. It was still the base ideology that we were trying to achieve. Great beer. I know that's cliche, but the three words that we look for, balance, drinkability, and flavor. Right. We want someone to drink a beer. And obviously, depending on what style it is, go, that tastes great. Mm-hmm. It's balanced, and therefore, it's drinkable. So I'm going to yeah. have another one. We want people to return and go, yeah. Yeah, so one those- of those, quite simply, wasn't enough. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. So, so yeah, we're in a great position. We're looking to kick on from that point. So eventually there'll be some level of expansion required going into next summer, but we're in quite a small unit. So yeah. that's going to be limited, but we're absolutely not looking to take over the world. No. Um, well, I, I do have some questions in that direction, not taking over the world, but, yeah. but future plans. But before we do that, let's talk about Buckskin, which we're both getting towards the end of our glasses of, I suspect. It's a very hot day today. It's been 30 degrees where I am, so... Uh, I was very much ready for a nice cold lager. And uh, here we are, 4.5% Pilsner. Tasting notes I have, short and sweet, says our core Pilsner-style lager brewed with Czech hops, crisp, floral, and refreshing. Yeah, I think it's just a nice, clean, you know, it's got, it's got a lovely sort of dryness to it that, I, you know, I think you appreciate with the Pilsner. You know, I could well imagine sitting and drinking five or six of these in a beer garden this evening if I wasn't having to uh, record a podcast, but you know, <laughs> that's a first world problem. So never mind about that. I don't drink that many lagers, to be honest with you. I appreciate a nice lager, especially on a hot day. So this is going down a treat. I can see why this, as you said, would be perhaps your best selling beer. Not at all surprised about that, you know, especially in the summer holiday season. I bet this absolutely flies out of the pubs uh, by the pint. It's kind of developed over the years that we've had it so it's the oldest beer in our kind of armory back to the point where dave was homebrewing in canada so okay. he won he won a homebrew award with this with this oh. well an early iteration yeah. of it but it was mm-hmm. a, an american blonde right so kind of going back to those early craft beers from america yeah. where mm-hmm. everything wasn't ipa or yeah. kind of with fruit, fruit puree and exploding all over the place um <laughs> it american blonde was a style but it's not never really been a style here because no We've got our own golden ales, we've got blonde ales, so you're not ever going to go down the road of that. But no. it was basically a beer that fit perfectly into a, a launch core range without having to commit to lagering time, essentially. It, right. was a bit, it was a bit of a cheat, but it tasted great. It had the refreshing elements of a lager, mm-hmm. but it was an ale, so it didn't quite have that crisp, clipped finish that you get with, a, especially a Pilsner, you say. Yeah. Uh, it didn't quite have that dryness, but it worked really well. It helped us be able to turn it over relatively quickly right? Um, yep. and kind of establish itself as a core beer that would sell in volume. Like, mm-hmm. And as we went along and we added to the core range and started doing different styles and, and, and messing about and things, and New England pale ales and IPAs came out, we realised that that style, we had to explain to people what it was first, mm-hmm. So. It's like a lager was kind of uh, what we said on a daily basis. <laughs> it's kind of a lager ale hybrid and people kind of getting it, but kind of going, he's telling me it's a lager. And we're like, yeah, but no, 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 it's not a lager, but it, but, but we want you to think it's a lager. Yes. Um, we weren't being disingenuous. It was a way of getting, establishing a core beer without kind of committing to that lagering time. Right. But also they've had this amazing recipe and it tasted great. So yep. why why change it at that point? So sure. so we then took the decision at the kind of the back end of 
2019, not long before the pandemic, really, mm-hmm. where we thought, right, okay, we're going to change this to a lager. It needs to be a lager. Right. If it changes to a lager, we think we can make it a better beer. It's always about yep. the beer. Like mm-hmm. it, this is going to be a better beer if we brew it with a lager yeast and we lager it. Yeah. And we make it to what it really, we think it kind of is treated as anyway. So it made sense to do that. And yeah, it's it's kind of taken off. We thought as well, I mean, it's, if you don't have to explain what the beer is, you've got way more chance. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, know, you are you're definitely making life difficult for yourself, aren't you? But, you know, by, by having to give that explanation. I mean, I understand what you did. I kind of feel like I'd like to taste the original recipe, actually, now that you've, you know, you, you, you've described it in those terms, just to, to get a sense of what, what that was. I'm sure you don't brew it anymore, but I, I, I we would be curious to taste it if you did. No, I mean, we, we never say we won't bring beers back. Mm-hmm. We, we get asked for certain beers. There are reasons why certain beers stop getting brewed. Yeah, of course. And yeah, essentially the entire original core range doesn't exist anymore, though in no. the same guise as when it was launched. And that's partly kind of, we were, I think the time when Dave launched that core range, it decided in advance of the launch. Yeah. And we were on that cusp of craft beer went from being every style is appreciated and gets almost equal shelf space. Yeah moving towards that kind of really accessible hoppy juicy beers there's a reason why they take up the shelf spaces they sell i mean hell that's what i drink a lot sure. <laughs> <laughs> too it's much wine, good in my case but absolutely yeah yeah same but yeah um you alluded to the fact that we don't really talk too much about the recipe of of the core beers really because we've tweaked them but buckskin hasn't had a tweak of late so the checkup that's in it is sars Okay. Yep. That classic kind Absolutely, of yeah. Yeah. But we also use Willamette in it, and that's a, a throwback to the original recipe. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So that's what was used to add bitterness. I suppose American blondes are, in effect, uh, influenced by English beers. Kind of. Oh, no question. I think Amer- you know most American brewers would tell you that. You know, prior to, I don't know where you want to put your stake in the ground. 1990, 1995, whatever. Prior to that time, UK and and other European countries had massive influence on American beer styles, and only uh, and only really found their feet from that point onwards, didn't they? And now they're they're teaching us all lots, aren't they? Prior to that, it was there was a lot of input going the other direction. Yeah, exactly, and that's the thing. It's funny, isn't it? Like, yes, there's all these big American breweries by name, and mm. your tree houses, your trilliums, your Russian River, mm. but then you look at a lot of the, the brew pubs, and they're still using English hops. Like yeah. the, amount, the amount of fuggles that the Americans use, but that's where Willamette comes in, isn't it? It's, it's right. American fuggle. So it's kind of, it's that, still that throwback to the original recipe. So it's not dead, but it's kind of developed onto what it is now. So that kind of comes back to the, the, amount, the kind of time that we had to, to reset with lockdown, yeah. was that we, we really dialed in on what we were after. I think if you were like the vast majority of breweries prior to COVID, you were rushed off your feet, you know, in sort of ever decreasing circles, running around, just trying to just do everything as fast as you could and never really had the chance to sit down. And and I'm sure the guys had a, a business plan in 2015 when they started, but whether that had been substantially updated prior to COVID, I don't know. Perhaps it had, but uh, you know, you would be an outlier if you if you were regularly updating your business plan prior to COVID. But I'm damn sure you did when the when the pandemic hit, and you were forced to consider every aspect of your business and decide is this the right or the wrong way to do it, and should we be changing this or that, and does this make sense to spend money here or there? And everybody, I think, had a chance to stop doing the things that weren't serving them well, and hopefully start doing more of what was serving them well and you know i think that's why you're not the only ones that have told me that you're prospering and and have done well under lockdown and 
you know, I think that's as much as anything because people have actually had a chance to sit down and be considered with everything they're doing. But. Yeah, 100%. We had the opportunity to do some soul searching and, and just look at, look, we're in charge of our destiny here. Mm. Rather than look at the, the beer scene and the beer industry from a whole and, and kind of get taken along by that wave, we thought, well, we don't need to do that. There's, mm. At the time, there was six full-time employees at the brewery, which is a decent amount for a small brewery. But yeah. we And there's no absolutely nothing wrong with this approach. But prior to the pandemic, Dave and I had spent a lot of effort and time speaking with wholesalers because right. um, we thought, well, that's the done thing. You sell some beer locally. We probably weren't seeing the growth that we wanted to locally. So let's look outside the area. Yep. And ultimately, that wasn't the approach we wanted to take because we don't have that national reputation like some of the breweries have got. Mm-hmm. It's because we focused on North Wales. North Wales is our backyard. It's what inspires us. It's where we've always wanted. From day one, Dave has said, every good pub in North Wales, he would like to walk in there and be able to order his beer. Yeah, um, that's, that's a great goal to start with. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah, and we, we've ticked off an awful lot of the targets that we had initially, mm-hmm. which is amazing. It's such a great achievement. It's such a thrill to be able to to go down to a the, the busiest pub in Better Sequoia called the Stable. Yep. Right? It is, yeah. It's If you've been to Better Sequoia... Oh, hey, I'm going to know what a tourist... Mecca is a lovely place, oh. isn't it? I mean, absolutely gorgeous, but it is so busy in the summer. If you've been for a meal or a pint of best squad, you've probably been to the table. Hmm. And that was, I knew how much volume they did. I knew that they were committed to local breweries mm-hmm. and they were awesome from day one. So mm-hmm. that was, kind of thing. but we went and chatted to some lovely people at some lovely wholesalers, but ultimately they needed us less than we needed them. Right. And we just realized that is the wrong approach. That's the wrong approach. We can do things differently. We can we can focus on us and we can focus on the local area and focus on the local people. Yeah. And that approach has worked and it's not I'm not saying it's down to us, it's down to the, the people locally to have done that too. But we feel a lot more satisfied in ourselves in the way that we're operating now. Right. The, the kind of for us the next step is to to do a little bit more into the northwest of England because that's geographically the next place to go. Of course it is, yeah, yeah. I'm very accessible as well, isn't it for you? Um, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. In, in in terms of being able to reset, that was so valuable. And right. and yeah, we're we're in a position now where we're so much happier. I think with with the direction of it. Brilliant. Well, that's a good point. I think to take a short break then, Chris. Yeah. This Week in Craft Beer is sponsored by Them That Can, the premier mobile canning service in the UK. Them That Can deliver the machinery, labour, materials and most importantly the expertise to achieve a professionally canned product that keeps their clients happy. For more information about how you can get started with their amazing services, please visit www.themthatcan.com. So I'm back with Chris from Wild Horse Brewery for the second half of the show. Chris, let's get straight back into it by having you tell me what makes Wild Horse different. What are you doing to stand out in the increasingly crowded UK craft beer scene? What makes us different? It's the people. The way that we approach everything we think makes us different. We're not trying to copy anyone else. We're trying to be the best Wild Horse Brewing Company we can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're getting back into the into the realm of cliches here and and, and, <laughs> <laughs> and horrible phrases, but we we're not looking at other breweries and going, we're going to try and do that. Okay, we might look at breweries and take some influence from that, but then apply it to how we approach beer. Mm-hmm. So 
that is what makes us different. We, what's come before in North Wales is a lot of traditional beer. There are some, there's a couple of breweries who've, who've done things a little bit differently. Certainly the brewery that stands out for me is, is a brewery that was based near Denby called Heavy Industry, who unfortunately are no more. Right. But um, they just brought North Wales Brewing kicking and screaming into the 21st century. Hmm. Brewing what were at the time insane beers. Kind of right. The first brewery in North Wales I can think of that brewed a hazy beer in the keg. Oh. Yeah, there's a beer called uh, that was they used to brew called Seventy Seven, which is like a, an amberish hazy IPA, right? Around about the five percent mark, just incredible. Like the, the if you saw that on the bar, that is what you're drinking, and you're not drinking anything else. Yeah, mm-hmm. whether it be on keg or cask, equally as good in different ways. But we're not trying to be them. No, but we are. We have taken influence from what they've done before us, and that's really it. We. I think if you try and be somebody else, you'll never be the best you can be. Right. That you'll ne- you'll never produce beer that has that clarity of vision. If you set out really clearly in what it is you're trying to achieve, a question that we asked ourselves mm-hmm. about two years ago, I would say, we we kind of sat down and went, "What do we want a wild horse beer to taste like?" Right. And can we firstly can we answer that question now? Yeah. And we couldn't. We couldn't no. answer that question because we'd been trying to brew great beer, but we hadn't necessarily been trying to brew great beer in the way that we wanted to do it. When I first started at the brewery, we had a range called the 10 Barrel Series. Mm-hmm. And that was essentially the two brewers kind of going, I like this style. I'm going to try and brew one. So right. we did a Munich Dunkel. We mm-hmm. did a Vienna Lager. We did a Black Pilsner. We did... A New England IPA when they were fairly new. Yeah. Uh, we did a West Coast double IPA at 9.2% that I don't know how didn't turn people blind because the amount of fusel alcohol that came off it was <laughs> insane. It ended many an evening. Oh um, it was, in- <laughs> but we, we brewed some great beers. Yeah. But it was never really a clear vision of who we were. Right. We, we were a brewery who were just brewing what we just wanted. Just riffing to brew. On, on, yeah, on, on different styles as, as the mood took you. Yeah. 100%, yeah. And what we want to be is three words that we picked out at the time, which was balance, flavour, drinking, Venice. Also, yep. we are influenced as people at the brewery by our surroundings. Mm-hmm. We live in North Wales because we love North Wales. Yep. If you wanted to earn the most amount of money ever, you would not live in North Wales. No. As you probably wouldn't live in most rural areas. In the no. You would live in a city. Yeah. Our branding comes across, hopefully, the 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 what we take as inspiration for the branding is the kind of outdoor or outdoor activities. Yeah. We want to be producing the best beer that we can in North Wales. And that is what makes us different. I, we, we firmly believe that and we, I, we, we try to stick true to those principles. Can I ask um, on the point then of drinkability, does that mean you're not brewing any more 9.2% double IPAs or? <laughs> um, so that, it's an interesting one because you, you can absolutely brew any style of beer and make mm-hmm. a drink. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt. It doesn't mean you have to drink a pint of it. No. So that double IPA wasn't drinking okay. because because you would have blacked out before the, at the end of a pint, I think. Right. I, I, I don't know anyone that drank an entire pint of it. It was insane. Mm-hmm. But we did a double IPA earlier this year called Neon Highway, which is 8%, and that's okay. not far off. But there was balance to it. There was a there was a slightly dry finish. Yes, it was kind of big and fruity and citrusy and 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 somewhat juicy. Yeah. But it had a balance to it. You could drink 
an entire serving of that beer. Mm-hmm. I think if you produce a barley wine, you should be able to drink an entire serving of it. Sure. Whether that serving is the entire vessel that you buy or whether it's designed to be shared. Yeah, it's a discussion a... tab with the Portman Group, isn't it? But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, exa- exactly. What you deem as being a serving of the beer yeah. is, is up to you entirely. If you, if you want to drink uh, several double IPAs to yourself, that's up to you by me. Sure. If you can handle it. Mm-hmm. If you want to share a 6% IPA because it's a little bit too strong for you, because you don't want to drink an entire four. Yeah, that's absolutely fine as well. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. But as long as by the end of that beer you're not going, I'm sick of this beer. Yes. Then we've achieved what we wanted to achieve. I'm not saying that we we get it 100 right every single time, but I feel that we've got to the point where we're pretty happy with most things we kick. But you'd hope that being the result, we're when <laughs> there's a lot more hits than miss. Definitely. Yeah, no, I'm happy. So, with that. So really, yeah, that's that's kind of the crux of, of how we see ourselves. I think that's pretty clear vision, to be honest with you, Chris. Let's talk about Nokota. This is 3.8% session IPA. This is your, we just mentioned it earlier, your flagship session IPA. The tasting notes I have um, say brewed with vibrant American hops. I'll get you to tell me what they are in a minute. Fruity, balanced, and Moorish. That's all I've got in terms of tasting notes. Uh, it's lovely session ipa you know this is i think is perhaps the hardest beer to get really you know to get absolutely bang on and it's probably the most important beer in most brewers ranges i would say you know you might argue that the lagers were important but i think certainly from my perspective at least um they're the beer that most people probably going to taste first and hopefully brings them in to then seek out the specials this is a really nice example i think it's, it's certainly got just a hint of bitterness it's got lovely tropical fruit flavour. There's some citrus in there as well. Just a, it's a good example, I think. What would you say? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it is probably now our, our best-selling beer just this year. Really, it's it's kind of gone ahead of Buckskin. Buckskin was always the most popular, but yeah. it was that was down to our local market. So there's there's a number of things with this beer that are were dictated originally by our local market. The ABV being the main thing, right? So, yeah, you know, you're selling into pubs that are serving a lot of 3.8% cask beer, I guess. And so, you know, they're going to want something to match against that. Yeah, no, I, I, we do find that North Wales, and I'm not sure that it's we're, we're completely unique in this, but certainly what we find is our area is ABV conscious. Okay. So a lot of the pubs that you would visit in North Wales aren't on your doorstep. They're not on the corner right, of the street. Right, of course, yeah. No, it's we're, right. not, yeah. we're not in central London where there's a pub on every corner. You might be in a village that doesn't have a pub and your mm-hmm. nearest pub might be five miles away or further. Therefore, and, and a lot of the pubs are restaurants and gastro pubs as well. So yeah. it might be a drive. And, and yeah, kind of, it does hark back to the kind of beer that's been popular in North Wales for a long time. And that is, like you say, traditional cask ale. Yeah. Uh, lager too, but... If you're a lager drinker, you're less likely to go to Nakota than if you're a cask drinker. So sure. it's supposed to be hoppy. It's supposed to be full of those tropical fruits, those citrus flavours. It's that bitterness there brings that kind of refreshing bite at the end of the beer, yeah. which is that kind of bringing that drinkability and that balance. Brings you the, back for the next the, mouthful, yeah. Oh, I understand. And that's the thing. You've decided before you finish the, that pint that you're going for another one. That's right. Um, yeah. Just a question you, how many more, isn't it? <laughs> well absolutely and at 3.8% if you're into your craft beer that, that could be a few Yeah, but it also means that you can have two or three pints in the Coca which aren't £8 a pint yeah. and then perhaps crack a 
a can or there's a number of good, pla- uh, good places locally to us that have an interesting range of beer going up to very strong beer. So you can right. then go on to that. So having that as your base and your couple of pints or or maybe the beer that brings you back down. Sure. Um, yeah. It doesn't sit in that lager or traditional in those brackets. It sits in a really accessible, flavorful beer. Yeah. And that's I think that's why Hoppy IPAs and Session IPAs and Pale Ales have taken off so much because they don't sit in that preconceived idea of what a beer is, kind of that right. either lager or ale. It can be something else. It can taste like mango and passion fruit. Totally agree. This is what excites me about craft beer is, is you know, and I know it's a, it's a bit of a cliche to say, oh, it's too many IPAs and too many pales and whatever. But I think you're right. I think this is this is fresh and new to my mind, even though it might be, you know, it might not be as fresh and new as it was 10 years ago in terms of a style. Yeah. But it's still it still excites me, um, this, this, this style of beer. Yeah, and that's it, isn't it? I, I... Yes, you can you can poo poo the idea of IPA, but there's a reason why it sells like it oh. does, uh, and it has that mass appeal in terms of bringing people that might not have been kind of traditionally catered for within the beer uh, yep. kind of in, within the beer scene, and I think that's ace. I think sure, that kind absolutely. of if you go back ten years ago, fifteen years ago, there would have been a preconceived idea of what the beer drinker looked like, the demographic. Yeah, <laughs> that I don't think that exists anymore. No, it doesn't. No. Um, no, you go to a you go to a craft beer festival, <clears throat> and I I'm not expecting to see the traditional camera drinker. And no, exactly. I mean, you know, you, you and I'd fit in really well at a camera festival, wouldn't we? But you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think we're equally welcome at craft beer festivals. But no, d- d- you know, joking aside, it is remarkable the the breadth of age that you find at a, at a craft beer festival, um, and and also you know a much better balance of, of male and female than you would find at a camera festival or, you know, certainly at the camera festivals I used to go to five years ago, I guess I can't speak for 2021 editions because I haven't been to a camera festival for a while, but yeah. um, you know, I, I love the fact that craft beer is, is becoming much more accessible to everybody. It's, it's still got some way to go. And there's obviously been very yeah. sort of widely publicized comments on that this summer. Um, but I still think we're in a, we're in a good place. We can always do better, but I, I do love the fact that it's such a diverse crowd, uh, a typical craft beer tap room or, or festival yeah yeah i i, I agree and, and on that point obviously we're talking about a session ipa at 3.8 percent mm. i'm in no way saying that that is the only beer that's going to make kind of a, a beer scene diverse it doesn't matter what it is it's just breaking down the boundaries of what beer is kind of historically been perceived as yeah. as being a male dominated lager or ale mm-hmm. they're your two options or maybe yeah. mild but do you know what i mean like yeah there's absolutely well my wife's two favorite beers are wild ales and imperial stouts so <laughs> brilliant yeah and that's it my wife was into wild ales and imperial stouts before i was like Terrific. i drink a wild ale now and my wife goes that that's my thing <laughs> like, that's not your thing why, why is that your thing now but that's the thing it, love it i'm not surprised now at anything no at any type of person drinking any type of beer because no. it doesn't matter no um, not at all. but um sorry coming coming back to nico but yeah really yeah, essentially it's a <laughs> it's a it's, it's a super accessible beer that can hopefully help people kind of guide people through into into kind of deeper into the craft absolutely you know it's that magic word it's a gateway beer isn't it hopefully and and this is a good one and you know you would imagine that people will drink this and say wow that's got a ton of flavor for 3.8 you know compared to my you know my traditional pint of cast bitter for the same abv 
I wonder what else these guys do. I wonder what else Wild Horse do. I wonder what other session IPAs and IPAs I can find in the bottle shop. And like, yeah, you know, there's, and there's then, then no they're on the journey, aren't they? Exactly. We've seen, we've seen, I've seen that kind of firsthand people coming to the brewery and saying, I tried Buxian or I tried Nakota. Yeah. I'm looking for the next step. What's the next step? And then you pass them on to the next step. That's music to your ears, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Because they're, once, once you have that, once you, you've basically convinced them that that's the future. Yeah. Let's talk about tap rooms. I was reading your blog this afternoon and just catching up with your situation there. I know you, you know, and I think you explained it very eloquently in the blog, actually, why you don't feel like it's the right thing to do to, to reopen in your current space. But can you maybe give us, a, for the benefit of the audience, give us a 60 seconds on the situation, the fact that you used to have a tap room that you used to just sort of set up at the one end of the brewery, but now you don't feel like that's that's the right thing and tell us what might be the, the future for, for Wild Horse in terms of direct serve to the public. Yeah, so just to explain, we've got a long, narrow unit mm-hmm. where you've got shutters at one end and that's almost the width of the unit. You've got racking on the side and then you've got some office space on the left with them, kind of an upstairs office space. So very narrow opening. So anything that comes into the brewery or leaves the brewery goes through that door. Yeah. So that's where we set up the taproom space because that's the only space that they, space we would have if we moved a few bits around. When it's set up, it looks wicked. It feels like you're drinking in a brewery. Yeah, people literally can reach out and touch the tanks. Uh, you know, not that you want them to, of course, but <laughs> <laughs> if they had well, a mind to, they could. <laughs> it's not far off being that. You yeah. feel like you're right in amongst it and it's great. And the way that we had it set up and the way that it looked and the offering that we had on the bar, just a lovely setup. People really enjoyed it. We've been asked multiple, multiple times. Which have, kind of yeah. led us to led us to write the blog. It shows we were doing something right because people were asking us. If people weren't asking us, then there's no need to write the blog, and we don't even no. need to think about a tap. But people want it. It's just that our unit and our small industrial state that we're on doesn't lend itself to having a tap room space easily. No. So as we get busier and as we have more people and need to store more stuff it makes it harder and harder every Friday to pack up and be done brewing, which we're often not on a Friday, right. yep. um, or done packaging. So yep. we just couldn't commit to the experience being good enough. No. There are plenty of people, and I said it in the blog, there's plenty of people who would sit on a dirty keg whilst someone power washed it. Like, <laughs> if they could drink at a brewery, there are yep. those people who are so committed and enjoy it and want to get their hands up and would probably help us dig out the mash if it meant they could sit sure. in, in the tap room. But that isn't what we want. That's not the experience we want no. people to have. And yeah, it was it was weighing up the, how much work is this? Plus, are the customers that we get what out of it what we should be getting out of it right and the answer was no it was no. simple it was an easy it was an easy one to make but it was a difficult one to explain ultimately the unit that we're in we just can't see a future where a tap room works no um the only option would be that if any of the units next to us come available which doesn't look like happening no there's established businesses in there and then eventually we, we may move and if we do move that will be with the express intention of having an on-site dedicated big enough unit room. to have a tap room as well yeah yeah accessibility everything everything included yeah it would have to be that so that would be a really big reason to choose a unit 
be a unit that we could we could do that in. They have the freedom to do that, and people can come have an awesome time and sit in our tap room. And no thought to picking up a vacant shop front in Landidno to set up a little micropub or a little tap or something. But yeah, it's something we've given consideration to, but where we are at now in our journey in terms of of the amount of time, especially Dave is committing to the day to day he just doesn't feel that he could commit the time to doing that too we know it would work we know people would like to come oh i don't doubt it would i I just got a sense of everything you've said to me so far and the fact that you're in a holiday destination and a seaside destination that as well i'm sure it would smash it if you if you had the had something there but i you know it's not fair for me to tell you how you should be running your business i totally uh, totally respect you've got to make those decisions for yourself we do it we probably could um but I think thinking more long term, if we ended up with a bar and then you've got, then you move and you think, right, okay, well, do I keep the bar and have a tap room on site? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we just want to, I mean, never say never. Look, if, if, if the perfect unit comes up yeah. at a great rental value and it's almost ready to go, yeah. we'd, I don't know. Dave might mm-hmm. say yes to it. It's one of those things where we're not looking too hard. No. But if it presents itself, it's it's not something that it's something we would have to consider. Yeah. Um, I think in 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 all likelihood, it's uh, until we move, it's it's probably not going to happen. I mean, to be honest, we have a a micropub five minutes walk from the brewery, which has right. all of our freshest. There beers. we go. So it's kind of almost, almost like a no bir- need. virtual tech. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone thinks we own it anyway, so okay. which we don't. <laughs> well, that was going to be my almost my next comment. Actually, was I'm starting to see breweries take on pubs you know there's no shortage of sadly no shortage of clubs that have recently closed for, for one reason or another um, siren which is one of my local brewers just took, took on a local pub in addition to their own tap room at, at the brewery and it's just it's sort of an interesting step and it kind of it satisfies just ready-made you know ready-to-go type requirement doesn't it i mean it, oftentimes of course they're a bit big i suppose pubs would be the you know the, the obvious objection but you know if you can find a small one that 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 is always an option as well but um yeah, no, yeah, I, I totally get that. Yeah. If something presented itself to us, mm-hmm. then we'd be stupid not to at least consider it. Let's talk quickly uh, about festivals, Chris. Have you guys done many festivals this summer? Have you got any still to come? Uh, yes, and so no, and one. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we've done nothing this year in terms of festivals we've literally focused on local local yep. local local in terms of events in the past we've usually done a mobile bar like a, a setup that we've got at lo- more local events right we've done a couple of craft beer festivals because of our kind of local focus we tend not to get invited to beer festivals as much we're not as i, I suppose present in big national bottle shops that's not not a complaint. It's just how we've focused on on, right. on yeah. being more kind of North Wales. So yeah. we are taking part in Tap Under the Trees with Rivington. Fantastic that we were uh, just talking about before we set up. Yep. So that's going to be uh, very oh, exciting. Which... I can literally, you know, sort of ticking off the days on my calendar. It's only three weeks <laughs> away now. <laughs> well, yeah, I am really excited. I was I was actually due to go to to Rivington on a on a stag do. Uh, mm. in august and i was ill so i couldn't oh, go I was no. absolutely gutted because it's of of everywhere beer wise that i've not been mm. that's number one at the moment to go to because it just looks incredible yeah got everything you well i haven't been there yet either and i just can't wait yeah. it's everything that you'd want in a tap room especially if you like the outdoors mm. um what more could you ask for unbelievable views on a farm drinking just fast beer 
Yeah, that's it. British. Yeah, it's going to be British. Tick, tick all the boxes and great food as well. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so we we're involved in that with a load of awesome breweries. Oh, yeah. <laughs> very, yeah, very well, exciting. If if... What can we look for in terms of beer releases from from Wild Horse in the next few weeks? Right. Okay. So this this is where I will get shot by the production team because okay. every time I talk about a beer that hasn't yet been packaged they get very nervous so they so we have got coming up in the brewing schedule and in tank at the moment so we've got a beer called scorched earth which mm-hmm. is a 4.2 percent simcoe cascade pale ale nice. that was designed good hot combination the, yeah awesome like that was designed with the express intent of never putting it in small back How? just having it in keg as a draft yeah. only beer it is okay. a draft beer Unfortunately, obviously with COVID coming along, we, we had to can it, but it's been really popular. Anything kind of pale sub 5% that we put in a can seems to just just not hang around to the point right. where often I don't get a can of it. <laughs> so, um, Doing something yeah, wrong there. Got a, a brand new IPA called Embrach, which means emerald in Welsh. Okay. 50% Citra with a dash of Columbus. That's nice. going to, that's smelling unreal. Mm. Um and then in terms of we've got some returning IPAs, some returning pale ales. Okay. We also will be brewing off-season, which is our hoppy red ale, okay. uh, which we were very, very, yeah, very humbled for Matt Curtis to put, it, put in his new book, Modern Oh, Brewing is that beer. right? Oh, congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, man. Honestly, mm. like, such a thrill to see that in print. It's yeah, the first time no, we've been included brilliant. in a print publication so in yeah. that regard. Oh, wicked. Um, yeah so yeah that's awesome so that's gonna no pressure on brewing that eh? so yeah basically ipas pale ales with the number of more seasonal releases so off season we've got mr mill circus which is a six percent coffee stout that we mm. did with our uh friends uh their local coffee roast is called half water of a mile down the road okay um nice. that's just it's a wicked beer. Uh, yeah a couple more dark beers probably uh we've got a collaboration with rivington coming up what's the best place <laughs> for people to um turn to, to to get their hands on wild horse beers then would be on our web store unless you're going to come to north wales there's a, a number of places that sell our beer but if you're if you're looking online then yeah the wild horse brewing co shop online right. is, is the best place okay perfect so then let's get into the shout outs little guy and here i ask you to mention one or more local i guess to clandidnu beer businesses and these might be Restaurants, cafes, tap rooms, pubs, bottle shops, just small businesses that you think are doing an outstanding job in the service of independent craft beer. We've got loads of great customers, but the, the ones that are doing an, an amazing job locally, we've got the tap room that I alluded to, which everyone thinks is us, uh, is, is called Taps. It's okay. on Maddox Street in Candid. No, it is less than 10 minute walk away. Terrific. They have eight or nine keg lines five cask lines just yeah awesome awesome changing beer two or three taps from us at all time brilliant uh there's a a, a convenience store in penryn bay which uh-huh. is kind of between uh and colin bay called uh, be more local and they've got a craft beer cave which is a fully walk-in beer fridge nice um, so yeah they've got hundreds and hundreds of craft beers all the hype breweries, yeah, that's a wicked place to go. Not so much if you if you don't if you're not trying to spend money. If you're not trying our... to spend money, you've got no business going in there in the first place. Really, exactly. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not wasting people's time. <laughs> There's a, a wicked, predominantly wine shop, and they've got a little beer garden as well. They've got a few taps, but they're called Vino Mondo in Conway, which okay. is an 
awesome medieval town. So if, oh, if I've been to in Con- the area, I love Conway, yeah, oh, absolutely. Unreal. I mean, the castle is to die for, isn't it? It's just an absolute perfection. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest, in the summer, I don't go anywhere near the place because it's no, so busy. No, I'm sure you busy. wouldn't do, no. <laughs> but I'm, for- I'm fortunate enough to live in the area year-round, so mm. I-, I go ten out- off-season usually. So, But yeah, Wicked Little Wine Shop, they've got a, a really nice curated beer selection. They're great. They were one of our first customers from the very, very start. Okay. Uh, so I've got to mention them. Uh, Brilliant. Then in Colwyn Bay, you've got uh, a tavern called Black Cloak. They're a nano brewery. Okay. Um, two ex-members of Heavy Industry who I referenced before. Yes. Um, brewing beer in the back. Serving oh, beer from Serving beer from Tank, but also serving some of the best craft beer across kind of the UK and the world. Ooh, that sounds good. Yeah. Um, three cask lines, but yeah, just awesome. Really, really nice guys as well. Like all the folks that work there are super nice. Uh, Fabulous. Yeah, just a really unexpected find in a, in a town that hasn't historically got that side to it i suppose okay and then the last one is uh, another tap room in Bangor, where i'm from i've got to yep. go from my hometown so it's called blue sky bar right. small because you've got the cafe upstairs and then downstairs you've got tap room with i think 10 eight or 10 keg lines and a couple of lines huge beer fridges and just such a nice place to be they're the premier ones that i would go with fantastic that's a great list actually i mean you know from everything you said about the the lack of density of population across north wales that's five terrific sounding places so yeah awesome. we're really, really and there's more yeah. than that there's lots of mm. people that missed off who are going to be very cross with me yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah we're very fortunate very very fortunate incredible all right i'll dig out the websites for each of those businesses and put them in the show notes so people can Wicked. click through if they're uh, coming oh, up your way to find the uh, find where they need to be that brings me to the wrap-up question. And the wrap-up question is, what would be your ultimate happy hour? Where would you be? Who would you be with? And perhaps most importantly of all, what specific beer would you be drinking? Can I cheat and have two? Yeah, go for it. Can I have a professional one and a personal one? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, per- I'll go personal first. So mm-hmm. it would be, this one takes precedent if I have to choose one. Mm-hmm. So it would be in Portland, Maine with right. my wife. yeah. At Allagash Brewing, drinking mm. Allagash White. Yep. We went there in 2017. So we ah. went, did a bit of a New England craft beer road trip from fantastic Boston up through New Hampshire and Maine, and then across to Vermont. So yeah, Ooh, awesome. Was... I've, so I've done I've done everything from well, not everything, but I've done most of the really big places from Boston downwards, but not Boston upwards. So I still have yet to go to Allagash or Bissell Brothers or any of these amazing or, or Hill Farmstead. That's uh, yeah. definitely on my urgent to do list when we're allowed we, to we, get, get we, on planes again. Would highly recommend them all. Definitely. Um, yep. Professionally, and this is in the same area of the world, would be I would be sat in the Alchemist or probably right. in Prohibition Pig in Waterbury in Vermont. Yeah. With John Kimmick. Yeah, of course. Drinking Heady Topper from the can. Mm. <laughs> because that guy, the size of the brew that he runs, he still has this childish glee when he describes a beer, even now. Like his enthusiasm is so raw and uncut and yeah. so authentic and genuine. And it's absolutely everything about beer that I love. Yeah. Um, everyone used to say that Eddie Top was the best beer in the world. It might be. For mm. some people, it might not be. All it is is, is an awesome beer. Yeah. Made by somebody who genuinely passionate about it. Yeah. And yeah, I think sitting there drinking that beer 
with him would just be I don't know if I would be able to speak but it would no. be he, he's the rock star of craft beer well I'm quite it? sure you've seen the craft beer channel New England beer tour mm. video on YouTube where yeah, which you know, is amazing. It, it was really fun to watch Johnny and Brad completely sort of geek out you know and, and you know that they were starstruck weren't they sitting with, with John Kimmick and that, that was that was really nice to see actually I thought that was as you say it was a spectacular documentary the whole thing but that, that oh, moment it- particularly was really memorable it was very, very good. And I've got to say, like, those guys are very, very impressive in terms oh, of the, really the content that they put out because yeah. they're so professional. Yeah. Even though they are geeking out, <laughs> you can kind of <laughs> see that they're kind of losing their minds a little bit. Yeah. But, but yeah, they are present stuff in a really nice, accessible way. Oh, well, definitely. So. They're a great asset to UK craft beer. No question about that. Awesome. Good answers. Good conversation, Chris. Really enjoyed chatting with you. Yeah. Thank you very much indeed for having me. I it's definitely a, it's a hope to, to, to get up your way. Uh, at some points, probably not going to be this year, I'm afraid, but I'm due to hit North Wales, I think, at some point. I've not been to Snowdonia for a while, and I do love it. So next time I'm coming up your way, I will definitely try and swing by and grab a beer with you in the uh, – in the. I forgot what you said it was. What's it called? The local tap? The tap, in, tap, yeah, tap. It's, called ta- it's called taps, yeah. So. Taps, all right. So that, <laughs> I did remember it, even though I didn't realise so. Um, but before then, I do hope to see you at Rivington. It'd be great to have a couple of beers in person. But if not, we will speak again soon, I'm quite sure. That was awesome, Rob. Commencing in the spring of 2022, This Week in Craft Beer will be running meticulously curated long weekend tours to the world's most exciting craft beer cities in partnership with some of the UK's leading craft breweries. Destinations will include Copenhagen, New England, Brooklyn and Miami. If you fancy joining a small tour party led by a leading UK craft brewer as we experience a packed long weekend of meet the brewer and tutor tastings at some of the leading craft breweries on the planet, please pay close attention to our newsletter and website 